Well, a couple of housekeeping things just to kind of ease us in today. All right, the first one is last week we told you we had Valentine's Day cards, emergency cards in the men's bathroom for all the men to take if they had forgotten. Uh, and so last week, 12 of you took cards. Come on, somebody. And so that's better than last year. I think last year we were in the 20s. And so you guys are learning. You guys are getting better at that. And so we're going to show a picture of those 12 cards, what they look like. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to. I promise we wouldn't throw you under the bus. All right. And so we are a church who is for you. All right, guys. So just remember, well done, though, with 12. Hopefully we'll get that down a little more next year. But we'll have we'll have the backup cards there for you. Second thing is it is a good day to be in the state of Louisiana. Come on, somebody. The sun is shining. The Lord loves us. It is a good day outside. Who knew 45 degrees could feel hot? Anybody understand? Like, I'm like taking off my jacket. It felt like the desert. I don't know. If I ever complain in the summer about the heat, just go ahead and take me out back and shoot me, all right? If I ever say another word bad about our sun and about our heat, just go ahead. But I had a question for you because I saw something during the week that I thought was funny. And I want to know which of one of you did this thing. And we'll throw that picture up there. Family bathes their children in crawfish boiler. And so my only question, which one of you resorted to this? All right, everybody. So I know we all did a few crazy things. Anybody? Everybody did a few crazy. We can forget those things. All right. Because we don't know how to handle the cold. Come on. That's just, this week showed us that we have no idea what to do when it actually gets cold. And I hope it never gets cold again. So we'll just do that one. All right, everybody. But I want to just go ahead and welcome you. I know we welcome you at certain points in the service. But I just want to say welcome. Just excited to have you here at Victory. And I want to welcome those online as well. Uh, as we work our way back uh, into life as we know it, or normal uh, kind of services and normal times for things, I just want to welcome those who are watching online as well. Just one church meeting in a couple of different places. Uh, and so come on, church. Can we welcome each other to church today? Come on. This... And this is week four. We're concluding uh, our series that we've been in for a few weeks now, and it's called It's Not About You, which is, I thought, a great sermon title, kind of kick off the year right. But this series is kind of realigning ourselves with the heart of our Savior. It's realigning ourselves with the heart of God, learning that this story, this great thing that's unfolding is not about us. It's about something so much greater. Amen, everybody. And so our theme verse is out of Philippians chapter 3. And Paul is writing, and he's saying that there are some who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul says, I'm writing with tears in my eyes. And he's not writing about non-Christians. He's writing about people in the church, people who profess to be Christians, who live as enemies of the cross. Because they're earthly-minded, because they have their minds set, he says, on earthly things. But we are citizens of heaven. And so we've taken this series to find out what that means. What does it mean not to be earthly-minded, not to be self-focused? Because there's just something about our sinful nature, myself included, about all of us that just makes it, gives us a pull or a propensity towards selfishness. I don't know if you've noticed that in your own life, maybe never you, right? You've noticed it in other people, that they have this propensity to think about themselves. We have this pull towards selfishness in our own lives. It's part of the fallen nature. And so we need to sometimes take stock of where our focus is and realign ourselves with the heart of God. And so Jesus, our text, John chapter 14 today, and verse 6, Jesus says, For I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so I want to kind of work out of this text today. And then he goes on, no one comes to the Father except through me. And we'll go back and see the first few verses of this chapter in just a moment. But I want to work out of this verse as we conclude the series. Because Jesus is speaking, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I want to spend a few moments discussing what he means by that. 
And you probably can already guess that it's not about us, it's just from this verse. But I want to discuss what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because first of all, he's saying that I am the way, the tr- I am the only way to God, I'm the only way to the Father. He's saying, if you even want to access eternity, you even want to get back to the Father, you even want to have all these things that we've talked about in this series, week one, week two, week three. He says, the only way you even get to all of that is through a relationship with Jesus. The only way. And oftentimes wars have been fought over this. There has been so much derogatory things said about the church because of this verse. So many places have tried to twist this verse and say that there are other ways and that Jesus is not saying what you think. Listen to me, everybody. He's saying what you think he's saying, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And anybody else tells you any different, be it me or anyone on this earth, tells you anything different than that, then they are selling you something, everybody. That Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And so I want to talk a little bit about what that means, that Jesus came to be what we oftentimes are trying to look for on the earth. That we oftentimes are trying to fulfill in our own lives. We're trying to find it on the earth with our earthly focus. Jesus came to be those things. So we're going to talk a little bit through this. That word way in the Greek New Testament, first off, it means a road. It's a noun meaning the road, like the Roman roads that were built back then. And so his listeners would have understood this meant a way to walk, a way to get somewhere. But it also means, this word way, it also means a way of thinking. It also means a way of deciding, a way of living, a way of making decisions. And so Jesus is saying, I am the way, the way of life, the way to walk, the way to the Father, the way of thinking. I have a way of doing life. I have a new way, he says. I have a new covenant. I have a new way to make decisions, a new filter, if you will, to look through. And so Jesus is saying, I have a new perspective. I have a new way I'm teaching. And so as he begins to teach this lesson that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you really think about it, sin, the things that we call sin certainly are sin, all right, everybody? They certainly are, but they're all rooted in something a little bit deeper in our hearts. Some of these manifest, these outward expressions of sin, some of the actions that we take, they are sin in themselves, but so often they're rooted in something deeper in our hearts. And that's deeper sin that we have oftentimes is I don't want to do it that way. Jesus is saying, I have a way of living life. He says, I have commands that I give you. I have ways that I'm fulfilling the law and that I'm bringing this new covenant. He says, I have a way, a perspective of doing life, of reaching out to others, of treating other people a certain way. But sin that's rooted in our life oftentimes is, I don't want that. And so many times if you take stock of these things, you say, well, why is that still happening in my life? Why am I still acting that way? So often we can trace it back to our own hearts, this selfish motive that says, I have a way. And I have a way of thinking and I have a perspective that I want to follow. And so I don't want to do it that way, Jesus. I want to embrace my way. And all sin is rooted in is I don't want to do that. And so the first one this morning, jot it down if you're taking notes. And you should be taking notes, all right, everybody? I'll give you my spill. We take notes at Victory because we believe you should. All right, you get it, all right, everybody? But I believe the first one is we need a new filter. Jesus said, I've come with my own way of doing things. And so I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a new way to do life, a new filter that we should look for. And I want you to know this. Everybody has a filter. I don't know if you know this already or not, but you have a filter through which you see life. You have a filter, a perspective that you see everything through. And for a whole lot of us, we have a broken perspective that we are viewing everything. Let me say it this way. You don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. You see the world through this filter. All of us have walked through things. 
All of us have walked through experiences or had broken relationships or circumstances. All of us have maybe a little bit of unforgiveness or bitterness or things that have happened to us. And so we begin to see the world through this filter. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying, I want to throw out the old filter, the way that you see the world. And I have a way to see it. I have a way to live. I have a way to have a perspective of the world. And when we look at life, though, through an old broken filter, when we refuse that way, we say, I have a way of my own then oftentimes we make bad decisions based on the broken perspective. So often the decisions that we make, the way we treat people, the way that we live our life, when we really look at the sin that's in our life, it's because we're living it through a bad or broken filter. We're not processing people right. We're not treating people the way they're supposed to be treated. We're not living our life following God the way we're supposed to because we have a broken filter. We haven't even embraced this idea that Jesus said, I am the way. That we have to get rid of this old way that we have, that we're living our lives. And so many times we're misreading people or we're misreading motives or we're we're not processing correctly or we're misreading God's motive in our life. We're, We're looking at all these things through a broken filter. And Jesus is saying, I have a way, I have a filter. But so many of us, we have a broken perspective. Have you ever made a bad decision based on bad information? Anybody ever made the wrong decision based on a bad perspective? I went to college up in Tennessee at Lee University, and my first three years there were the coldest three years in a hundred years in that city. All right, everybody? So I looked like a lot of us last week. I wore every piece of clothing that I had, and I waddled around campus like a Louisiana marshmallow. I just was, it was, it was awful, all right? I just wore every layer I could think of, just stuff on there. But I was headed to class one day. Uh, my junior year, I was headed across campus, and it was freezing, and so I had all my layers on. And there's a road that ran through the middle of the school, through the campus there, and there were speed bumps over the road that pedestrians could cross over, and the cars had to stop. Usually the cars would stop, all right? That's usual. That usually would happen. But then we could cross over, so I'm walking along the side of the road, and I noticed two cars back stopped was my buddy in his car going the direction that I needed to go to get to class. And so I did that funny, you know, run waddle you do when you have 30 layers on trying to catch his car. And I threw open his door and I jumped in and I said, to the con center, which is where I needed to go. And there was silence in the car. And I looked over and I realized I have never seen this stranger before in my entire, <laughs> my entire life. And this guy is gripping his steering wheel and looking at me with the biggest eyes, thinking, who is this lunatic who has just jumped into my car Look at him. He's like, you ever been the bank robber? Anybody you ever realize that you are the bank robber? And he's just staring at me like this. And I'm just looking at him like this. Now, thankfully, he did take me to the con center, all right? Because, yeah, of course, of course, we still got there because I just have one of those faces, all right, everybody? But that's not the point. That's not the point today. The point is my perspective changed at some moment in that car. And the real point that I'm trying to get to is so often we make, some of us are like that in our lives. So often many of us are like that. We are making bad choices based on a bad perspective. And we wish that we had known that new perspective before we jumped in the car and made a fool out of ourselves. We wish we had had that new filter. We wish we had been on that way before we just made a fool out of ourselves doing it our own way, the wrong way, the wrong decision. And so often Jesus said, I want to give you a new perspective. He said, I have a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of feeling, of deciding. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to live the old perspective. You don't have to treat people like that. You don't have to fire off that text. You don't have to mistreat the people in your life. You don't have to live a broken life like that. I have a new way. Jesus is saying, I am the only way. 
that I can heal your heart. I think that's something he wants to do in all of our lives. I don't think that's just a one or two person thing. I think that's in all of us. He wants to give us a new filter, a new perspective. But he says, I'm not only the way. He also says, I am the truth. I am the truth. And the word truth there in the Greek New Testament, it means the word reality. It means what's actually real. Jesus is saying, you have all these other things that you think are reality, that you think are so important, but I am actually what is true. I am actually what is real. What he's saying in another passage, he said, I came to show you what is real. Came to show you what reality actually is. And the reality is, for most of us right now, is we live a life that's focused on the things around us. That we live a life, even throughout this series that we've been talking about, we live a life that's focused on earthly things, that's selfishly focused, that's inwardly focused. And this perspective, honestly, it gets our eyes off of the eternal and puts it on the temporal things of earth. Too often times, we got a whole lot of stock wrapped up in this earthly thing. And too often Jesus is saying to us, I am what is real. I am what is true. When I speak to you, and we're going to go back and look at verse 1 and verse 2 of this chapter in just a moment. But I want you to understand this, that he's saying, I am the way, but I'm also the truth. I am the reality. And I think too often we live our lives thinking that this earth this, this mortal body and these things around us, that this is what's real. That this is the only thing. And heaven is kind of like this temporary, you know, kind of dream that maybe we'll get to. And our eyes are set on the things around us. And we put so much stock in earth. And the truth is, Jesus said, I want to teach you about heaven. And he does this thing. I want to teach you that this is the dream and heaven is actually reality. You know, the Bible talks about this life. It says it's only a vapor. And no man knows how many days he has in his life. This, this life that we're in is only a vapor. It's the dream. The reality is where we're headed, everybody. That we can get our eyes off of the here and now and focus our eyes on eternity. And we can begin to live, live the lives that we're called to live on earth. If we can get our eyes off of the temporary, off of the dream, the vapor, that the unseen is what will actually last forever. And I think too often we lose sight of that. We make life all about us and how much can I accumulate and how much stuff can I get and what can I do here on this earth? And we forget that this is the vapor and that is the eternal. There's a great example of this in Luke chapter 10. And I love this example because it doesn't speak just to those who work up treasures on earth, but it speaks to those who try even to get spiritual treasures on earth. And watch this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has built his team. So it's not just the 12 anymore. He's got 72 guys that he sends out to go and pray and to minister. And so they come back and they tell him how the trip went. And so they come back to Jesus with joy and they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's kind of a strange response until you kind of see the story behind this. But they're saying, Lord, we saw the demons submit to us. And Jesus is like, of course you did. I saw Satan fall like lightning, like Satan tried to set himself up against God. And he fought and warred with Michael and his angels. And I think sometimes we read that story and we think, well, it's Satan versus God. But no, when God got involved, watch this, Satan hit the ground like lightning, everybody, right? It's not this some great cosmic fight that's going on. Satan set himself up against God and then he hit the earth. It was like, what happened, right? He just, he's there. And he said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, the evil spirits, and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. In other words, like, guys, I've given you the power to overcome this. Like, of course, the enemy spirits are subject to you. I've, I've given you that power. But watch what he says. Here's what he says in verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. 
And I think sometimes we gloss over that first half of it. He said, don't he? Like, that's an incredible thing. Like, demons being cast out, the sick being healed. There's this incredible thing going on. And Jesus said, don't even rejoice that the spirits submit to you. This, this spiritual authority, this thing that's happening. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus said, don't focus on the accomplishments, even spiritual accomplishments here on the earth. Even these great signs and wonders. It's amazing, but they have a purpose. And that is to pay testament to the truth of Jesus Christ. There's a purpose to the signs and wonders. And he said, I gave you the authority to do it, but don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice over those accomplishments. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And so he wants to give us, number two, if you're taking notes, jot it down, a new focus. And he wants to give us a new focus for our life. And we talked about this in week one. He said, I want you to see the reality. I want you to see the truth that heaven is a lot more real and a lot more tangible than even this physical life that we're living. There's no reason to celebrate so much these things on the earth. That what is real and what is eternal is what will last forever. And that's what we celebrate. That's where our focus is. Now, I grew up in church. I don't know what your background is, but I grew up uh, in church. And some of you know, my grandfather was an evangelist all around the world. And so we would travel with him oftentimes. And so I have been to a lot of church in my life. All right, everybody? So just want just to give you my disclaimer there. I have been, sometimes we would travel with him and we would do 35 services in like 12 days. All right, everybody? So I have been in church. I don't know if you've been in church, but I have been uh, in church a lot. And so as a child or as a, a young man growing up, being in church that often, sometimes I would bring something to do during service, all right? This is confession time. This is the time I would bring a book to read that wasn't the Bible. Come on, somebody. You can give your shocked faces now. I don't, I don't mind that at all. So I would, I would bring that with me, though, because 12, 35 services, 12 days, I would bring a book. And one time we were in a meeting with about three, 400 people, and I brought a book, and I was sitting about four rows back. And I was reading my book while my grandfather was preaching, and all of a sudden I realized the whole room had gone silent. Have you ever had that happen to you in life? Like you realize, like maybe in school, something changed. Like it got really quiet and you're like, what, what happened? Why did the room kind of change? Well, it got quiet and I looked up and I kid you not, my grandfather was standing on the edge of the platform staring right at me. And the translator next to him was also staring at me. And so, of course, three, four hundred people are now all staring at me. And he looked at me and he pointed his finger and he said, and my grandson is not paying attention to the preaching. And the translator translated that. into, <laughs> And I thought I'd die and go to that other place right then and there. Right? I thought my heart would just die right in that moment. So I have a special spot in my heart for children in church. All right, everybody. Let them flip to the back and look at the maps in the Bible. Let them just let them be around the presence and the worship. All right. I have a heart. Some of you adults do it, too. When the message gets a little slow, I see you flipping back there. Looking, seeing Paul's journey to the seven churches. I'm just going to take... But I have a special, but something I treasure from those times, something that I got to see kind of around the world in all different denominations, different churches, something I treasure was the worship and the music. Because across the church, so often uh, there's different years and different movements of music and types of music. One that has seemed to kind of permeate now in these last 50 years or so are the old hymns. The old hymns from the 1700s and the 1800s. And I love hymns. I don't know if you know that about me. I love the old hymns. But something about them, and I'm not knocking any other type of music. I think all worship has its place. But something about the hymns is they were written by a generation that really didn't have all that much. And so when you read the lyrics of the hymns, when you begin to sing those, they begin to sing these songs, not focused on the things that they had, but focused on the place that they were going. 
Come on, we sing songs like when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that. Come on, where are my real Christians at? That will be when we all see Jesus will sing and shout the victory. We began to sing those songs. I think that a lot of us, myself included, if we're really honest with ourselves and we sang those songs today, we would sing when we all get to Disney. What a day. Come on, when we all see Mickey, we'll sing. Nobody, nobody wants to jump in with me. I think we would sing songs like that. I think that we would begin to be self-focused. But so often when you read these hymn writers, that generation, they'd sing, I'll fly away, oh glory. I know where I'm going. They would sing these songs about, I know what eternity holds. I'm getting out of this life. This life is not what's real. This life is not what I'm basing my hope on. And I think too often we get our eyes off of the eternal and onto the temporary. Too often we sacrifice the eternal for the hope of something greater here in the temporary. We give up the prizes and the treasure we're supposed to be storing because we want to just hoard all that we can in this life. And I think our focus needs to change. I think sometimes earth stings a little bit harder than it should in the life that we're living. I think that we get a lot of stock wrapped up in this. And Jesus is saying we need a new focus. We need something new in our life. We need to get our eyes off of these things. And Disney's great. My kids love Disney, right? It's a magical place, everybody. But when your life is falling apart, when your marriage is on the rocks, when your relationships are a mess, ain't nothing Mickey Mouse can do for you. The only way you're going to get through those things, the only way you get through the things of this temporary life is realizing that it's not the eternal. Paul said these temporary struggles, Paul said these these light and momentary afflictions, the only way you get through those is setting your eyes on Jesus. It's beginning to realize that there is an eternal, that we have our eyes and our focus set on Jesus. said, I am the way, I am the truth. And the way you survive those moments. He even said this to his disciples in John chapter 14. They have a problem, right? This is the first couple of verses of our main chapter today. This is how Jesus said, they have a problem. They're stressed out about the future. He's told them how the future is going to be, how there's going to be problems. He's promised there will be trouble in this life. And so the disciples are stressed out. Watch what Jesus says to them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And you'd, you'd think that now he's going to say, because I'm going to work everything out and everything's going to be okay and we're going to just, there's not going to be any troubles or problems on the earth. He doesn't do that. He redirects their focus. Watch what he does for the disciples. He says, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, wouldn't I have told you? I go there to prepare a place for you. And I love that thought that in the middle of our anxiety, in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our problems, Jesus is making that promise that I go there to prepare, that he's still there preparing a place for us. We talked about that city in week one, that he's there preparing a place for us. And that is our hope of eternity that we have in Christ Jesus. And he says, in the midst of this, I promise there will be trouble. I've overcome the world. There's going to be problems and things, but I've overcome it. And I go to prepare a place for you. And so if we want that hope in our life, we set our eyes on Jesus. But not only on eternity does he want to breathe life and bring things to us. Because he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And watch this. And now he says, I am the life. That I'm the way, I'm a perspective, that you need a whole shift to the way that you do life. That I am the only way to the Father. That I am the truth. I've come to show you what is actually real, that your eyes would be set on eternity. But then he says, I am the life. And I think the saddest thing that we could possibly have from gatherings like this or from wherever you're watching online or listening is that there are a lot of people 
here or wherever you are this morning that are physically alive but experience death in parts of their lives. Followers of Jesus that haven't accepted that he is the life. That say, well, I know he is the way and he is the truth, but I just, I can't ever see that part of my life ever coming back to life again because I just don't, I don't buy into this idea that he could be the life. But Jesus is saying, I am the life. And you may have suffered death in an area of your life. It might be in your emotions. It might be an anxiety that you struggle with over your relationships or over maybe a rift in your, your relationship with your parents or your kids. Or it might be your marriage that has gone through a struggle or maybe has broken down. And you've experienced death in an area of your life. It might be depression. This is something that's on my heart so closely that I care for those people. You might be suffering. You might be not able to get up in the morning. You might not see a way forward. You might not see a purpose in life. And you may not see anything past that next step. And you may, may think that there's nothing worth it in that moment. Or some of you may have experienced a relational death. And like I said, maybe in your marriage or in a relationship that you've discovered. And that cuts so deeply. And oftentimes more deeply than anything else in this life that you experience a betrayal. Or someone who turned their back on you or someone who spoke about you or someone who did something to you. And you experience that betrayal in your life. And it's now shaped and colored all the rest of your relationships. And it's so hard to trust again and it's hard to reach out again. And it's hard to even be involved with anybody or even in a spiritual community or do anything again. And it's, it's shaped everything that you do. And you say, well, who do I trust and where do I build relationships? And some of us have experienced spiritual death. Where maybe you went through something or had something done to you. Or maybe you've experienced betrayal by a spiritual leader or by someone that you trusted. And you think, well, where would God be in the midst of that? And over time, you've drifted or you ran far from him and you've experienced a spiritual death in your life. And so little by little, you drifted away from him. Jesus came, he says, to bring life and that you would have it more abundantly. That even when you experience death in these various areas in your life, that he came to bring life. He came to bring life to our mortal bodies. He said, even though your body is decaying, I came to bring life to your spirit. And so the final one, as we close this service, we close this series, jot it down if you're taking notes to give you a new future. That he would give you a new future. And I want to close with Romans chapter 8. He says, listen, I am the only way to the Father. I'm the only way that you can experience eternity. I'm the only way that is the reality of how you should live life and what is actually true about the life that we're living. And then he says, but I, am also, I also want to give life here on this earth, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And I just want to remind you, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but if you are a follower of Christ, this verse is true for you. If you are a true follower of Jesus, this verse applies to you. It applies to the person on your left and on your right, but he's speaking to you. He says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit that is at work, that is living, that exists inside of you. That Jesus said, it's better for you that I go to the Father, that he would send the Holy Spirit. This same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. That no matter what death you've experienced, it's never final. 
And whatever emotional death that you may have experienced, no matter what death, relational, whatever, what that spirit, whatever you would have experienced, it's never final. And the beauty of the gift that Jesus Christ gives us, even physical death, is not final. The verse says, death, where is your sting grave? Where is your victory? It's swallowed up in the victory of the cross. That even in physical death, that thing that we all fear so much in our lives, that even that is swallowed up, that our eyes are not on this life, they're on eternity. And that is where the actual eternity will reside with Jesus in heaven. And so we have our eyes set on that. That gift that he gives us that all kinds, no matter what death you've experienced in your life, it's never final. It doesn't have the final say, only Jesus does. And so church, if I can remind you as we end this series, it's not about us. It's not about the temporary. It's not about this life that we're living. Our eyes should not be here. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's all about Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me as we close today? Father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity we have as a church to gather and to worship and to fellowship. But above all, above all, we recognize it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for your victory over the tomb. We thank you for the promise that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you have promised eternity. And that you have promised life. And we thank you that we put our hope secure in you. We thank you that you are our anchor in the storm. You are the answer, Lord, to all the things that we're trying to find here on this earth that we never will in the temporary. We thank you that you are the answer. Father, the questioning we have in our heart, Lord, the searching we have for things to fill us, you are the answer. We thank you and we praise you again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've wandered far from him, or maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And you say, I want that. I want him to be the way. I want his truth. I want him to be the life in my life. I want to be reignited. I want a new spirit inside of me. If you say, I want that. I want to give you an opportunity today. Nobody else is looking around. Every head is bowed. I'm not in this to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up afterwards. This is about connecting you with Jesus. So if you say, that's me today, I want to make that decision. I just want to pray with you. It's a simple prayer. You can pray it right where you're seated. But you have to say the words and you have to mean it. It's a prayer of submission. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. And I am the way to eternal life. There's no other road. There's no other way. I don't know what anyone else has told you. This is the only way to eternity. But I want you to know he died on the cross and he rose again to take your and my place to pay for our sins. And that's still available to you today. The Bible says that life is a vapor. Don't let it pass by without making this decision. Don't let your life be lived for the temporary, for the things on this earth. Don't set your eyes on what you can accumulate here. I'm telling you, this is the way to heaven. This is the way to the Father. It's only through the blood of Jesus. 
So if you want to pray that prayer of submission, we're going to pray it with you. I ask the church to help me. Nobody prays alone. If you say, I want to make that decision, come on, church, pray this prayer right now. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. I surrender to you. Now say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you give life to every area of our lives. Father, I thank you that you are the eternal. I thank you that you are the truth. Jesus, once again, we thank you for your sacrifice. Once again, we declare that you are the only way. And we thank you, Lord, for the salvation of our souls. We thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for eternal life, for the victory, conquering death and the grave. Lord, we praise you and we are honored that you would make us a part of the kingdom that you're building. Lord, I thank you for souls being changed. I thank you for lives being saved. That we would recognize it's not about us, Lord. It's all about eternity. It's all about our new focus. It's all about our Savior. It's all about you, Jesus. We pray all of this in your name. And all God's church said, amen. And amen. Come on, church, can you put your hands together for what God has done today? Give me 30 seconds before you go, church. If you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to talk over your next steps in the faith. What you do next in this journey with Jesus. I would love to personally talk it over with you. I'll be at the front of the stage right after this service. Love to talk that with you. If you're watching online or you feel more comfortable, you can text the word SAVE to 66599. We have a video we shot for you just to show you your next steps. I promise it's not a marketing ploy. We don't save your number. Just a one-time video to experience and to show you what the next steps in Christ are. Be blessed, church. As you go, you're dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday morning.